Bold Perceptions, we are back. The Last Dance recap. We are recapping episodes five through eight today. I'm joined with your favorite, George. George, how we doing? Asterisk, asterisk. That's a least favorite. All right, that's, that's true. That's not funny, but anyways, yeah, I'm good. I'm feeling good. It's Friday, Junior Jack. Um, I know you like that phrase. I'm going to toss that out for you just to Friday warm you up a little Junior. bit. Junior, let's warm it up. Come on, I'm roughing you up. Yeah, Come rough on. it up. Rough it up. <laughs> so getting right into it, um, kind of try and go chronological here with five through eight. So starting with uh, uh, episode five, they kind of go right into it with Jordan and his shoe deal with Nike and how it was kind of a process, really, how it all got started with... Converse was uh, the you know the main shoe deal for the NBA at the time. Adidas was an upcoming shoe brand, but they didn't really have the capabilities of making a you know basketball shoe at the time. And it was kind of a process where Jordan didn't want to sign with Nike, but in the end, ultimately his parents were the ones that brought him to Nike. George, what did you think about that? Well. They show Jordan in this baggy suit. He's got a pouty look on his face. He doesn't want to be there. And, I mean, his sights are set on Adidas. And uh, what was the other one, Jack? Con- or Converse. Converse, yeah. yeah. That was the big one. And Jordan really didn't mean Jack Diddley at the time. And he knew it. So he was going in there like, hey, I don't really care. And imagine getting swayed and getting all that money and then turning into the face of athletic gear. Yeah, wow. mind you that. he was. This was his rookie year, by the way. He was the third overall pick in that draft. And for him to get a shoe deal as a rookie. What a gamble. Is, yeah, what a gamble, actually. And that's it's actually unheard of. Thinking about it, you know, in today's world, now there's a lot more shoes that you know have the capabilities of making a you know basketball sneaker. So, you know, obviously those brands are throwing out big money to what might be the up-and-coming NBA. But at the time, nobody had their own shoe, and Jordan really changed the culture for wearing shoes. No, he did. He simply did. And, I mean, that's kind of when – I would say that is his first instance of becoming bigger than the game itself. True, because true. now you got all these kids buying your shoe just to have it. It was a cool thing. They get bullied in elementary school. They get booked in the hallways if they didn't have Jordans on. Um, and, I mean, that's just insane. Uh, they took a big risk on Jordan, a rookie, mind you, like you said. And even then, I mean – you, they threw probably quadruple the amount of money at them than they should have. Yeah, two hundred fifty million. Yep, and they wanted to sell. They were aiming to sell three million. Right, and they end up selling one hundred twenty million in the first year, which is unheard of. Unheard of. And I mean, you probably got some Jordans. You're a stylish guy. You'd wear those to the club. Oh, right? I would rock some Jordans any day of the week. Any day of the week. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. So that was a uh, very cool, interesting thing to see. Kind of how that whole Nike tidbit started i really didn't know any about that especially not wanting to go to nike and now obviously the jordan brand worth over a billion dollars is is absolutely insane but um kind of going off also in episode five they uh they also touched on him being a political rep i thought that was really interesting too just because or the lack thereof yeah exactly sorry not being a political rep for you know the black community really and i thought that was interesting because jordan is so driven really on basketball and that basketball mindset and winning every game but he doesn't really care about the outside world as much and although he was you know sponsoring the you know politician north carolina which would have been the first black politician i believe in north carolina yeah, it would have been a huge deal obviously yes and obviously you know they compared him to muhammad ali and his stature of being the best in all of sports at the time whereas muhammad ali took the stand you know to for political rights whereas jordan thought that he was doing it you know showing his leadership and 
um, his star power just by the game of basketball. Right, yeah. He uh, he really didn't care to be that guy. Um, I know he was quoted or allegedly quoted saying Republicans buy shoes too. So maybe that's why he kind of stayed out of it. Jordan's I personally. Too. Yep, Jordan's, Jordan's too. too. Jordan's too. Did I say shoes? Mm-hmm. Okay. Jordan's too. And um, maybe he wanted to stay out of it from a business perspective. Maybe Jordan told him to stay out of it. But my sense, I would guess seeing this doc, I mean, the guy literally only gives a shit about basketball and winning. Like, seriously, he doesn't care about anything else. It's unbelievable. He has the biggest, like, laser focus on the game. So he probably didn't want to add extra hoopla, no pun intended, (laughs) off the court. So, I mean, that's why he probably uh, just didn't care to get in there. He, he didn't give a shit, right? Yeah, no, I think – and I, I seriously, that actually gave me a lot of respect for Jordan in a way. Not because I don't want him to be a political figure, but it's that he just respects the game of basketball and he knows, you know, the bucket that he's that he's in. No pun intended. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so that was just a quick touch on that. One of my favorite parts, though, from the five and six, though, was – the gambling situation. Oh, don't get me started about Slim Buller. Slim Buller, first of all. That's like your role model. You yeah, want to be him. I know. I love to golf. And sometimes, I'm not going to lie, I like to hustle money from kids that are not as good. But, and that's what I'm saying too, kind of going back into that, his golf, you know, his uh, gambling addiction, it's weird looking at it from an outside perspective that people that don't play sports competitively or do not gamble because. I mean, George, you can agree. When you're on the golf course, it's always way more fun to have a little money on the line. You got to have some skin in the game, Jack. Exactly. Especially when you're like a big swinger like you and you know you're good, which Jordan knew he was good at golf and he probably weirdly was good at the slot machines at uh, the Atlantic Casino. (laughs) I mean, why not gamble? Yeah, I mean, when you have, you know, that much money, obviously you can put larger dollar amounts on your, you know, your bets. So I I think when, you know, you have the pieces and I should say the dominoes, they start to fall once you hear that, you're at a casino or you're golfing and gambling, you know, they're going to start assuming that you're gambling on everything, including games that you might be in. Right. And the general public always assumes the worst. So here they come, here comes the press, the, you know, and the public, like I said, just ripping Jordan and rumors are swirling. I mean, rumors would have swirled way quicker back then if they had social media. Can you imagine that? But I mean, all the newspaper clippings are just ripping them. Jordan's addicted to gambling. Jordan's got a problem off the court. Um, and Jordan came out and said, look, like, I'm not addicted to gambling. I have money, A, he said it humbly. But he said he had a competition issue, which isn't an issue. That obviously is what pushed him to be the greatest, maybe. But I just, I don't fault the guy. And, I mean, give him some space. Let him do what he likes. Well, you know? yeah, I think a good comparison is, and you're in sales, we're both in sales, George. But the first thing they ask you is, why do you want to be in sales? And the number one answer they're looking for is money-driven. So... I mean, a person that's in the basketball world, why wouldn't you want to, you know, include more money in the things that you're good at, right? Right. And I mean, it probably was a way for him to unplug, but turns out it was a shame that it started wearing on him. The press got to him even after he started winning the titles, which we'll get to in a sec, but the press really started to wear on the guy. You could see it starts getting the bags under the eyes. Uh, He starts having to seclude himself or wants to seclude himself. Feel bad. I didn't think I'd feel bad for MJ during this. I thought I'd come out of it thinking he's an ass, but... I almost want to give him a hug. <laughs> That's a good point because there was a lot of media critics who were saying, you know, before everything dropped that, yeah, you're going to not like Jordan. You're going to think he's a complete asshole. And they did touch on that in 7 and 8. They talked to the players about him being an asshole, and they pretty much confirmed it. But really, it's, you know, from the outside perspective, you know, looking at him, I just obviously gained way more respect for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought the coolest things from 5 and 6 were – 
the footage of him. Head to toe, looking cool on the golf course, wheeling the golf cart around, just unplugging, you know? I mean, that's what we like to do. Um, we, he probably doesn't throw back as many drinks as the guys normally would if you're going out <laughs> twi- 8, 12, 4, 2, 1. But that's his form of relaxation, a little R&R. And he doesn't get much of it. And, I mean, look, you can slam him if he's not winning the big ones. But through 5 and 6, he'd won 3. He, he three-peated. And that's kind of where we no, left I think he was only two. I think it was, was it two. Two. two one, one and two. And that was another good point, though, is he had won two. And one of the most, like, critical parts probably oh. of that was the Olympics. Yep. And having that practice in Barcelona. And it was pretty much him versus Magic of whose team it was. Magic was, you know, we're up eight points. And this is between a second and third title, right? This Yes, correct. 92 something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. So they're going at it. And Magic is getting pissed because Jordan's going at him. He's like, I'm down eight. My team is not going to lose. And he knew, you know, whoever's going to get that last shot, whatever in the game, no matter, probably wasn't ever going to get that close. But it was going to be Jordan's shot, not Magic's. And Jordan had beat Magic in the mm-hmm. finals for his first one. And yep. looking back, that's incredible. A young Jordan going against Magic, like the pretty much the best point guard of all time. The first unicorn on the court that we've seen. Um, I wish I could have seen that modern day, but yeah, and we, we touched on it, but we wanted to see how Jordan's mindset would change after winning the first against Magic compared to going for the repeat with the target on his back, and boy, you saw him respond. I mean, the guy just keeps making shit up in his head even to get a competitive edge. He picks a player to go at. He listens to the media half-heartedly, but brings it onto the court to just piss himself off. I thought that was wild. I mean, I don't even know how it. How can you imply that in sales, Jack? Maybe you uh, make up the teammates talking crap about your introduction. You just go right at them. Or? Yeah, if he didn't give me a firm handshake, I'm gonna beat him in sales by a hundred. <laughs> a nice day, Jack. Uh, what do you mean? What'd hey, you mean? that was a good sales day for you, Jack. Oh, I'm gonna double your sales tomorrow. <laughs> All right, Seth, why don't you sit, sit down? Yeah, no, I think actually, we I think four and five. If you remember, was going for two, and we were gonna ask how he was going to three-peat. Yes. Like, what was the mindset? So really the media was such a big implication on that, you know, you can't three-peat, what's he going to do? And really tried to make him not three-peat, you know what I mean? And ultimately that got in his head. Other, you know, driving factors related to Jerry Krause, whatever, got in his head and ultimately got, you know, the three-peat, which is incredible. Well, then in seven and eight, um, a source close to Jordan, seven and eight gets into the baseball tenure mm-hmm. he's got, but... Apparently, Jordan told one of those guys, those sources, that he wanted to go play baseball. And the source, the buddy, said, well, why don't you do it right now? And Jordan literally said, well, uh, Bird and Larry, or Bird and Magic, they never three-peated. I, I got to do this. I need to do this. Yep. So he three-peats. Weirdly, his dad passes. There's a lot of conspiracy on, on that. I mean, I honestly do entertain those a little bit. Do you? What do you think? Yeah, it's it was well right when it happened. I mean, man, that is just so sad. Obviously, in the situation, but what kind of uh, conspiracies have you hearing? Well, so obviously his dad's murdered, yep, pretty brutally in broad daylight, and this is around the time that he apparently owes Slim Buller, yep, yep. among others, a lot of money. He's coming off the three P's on top of the world. Um, it just seems a little fishy. I think. I, know? I know. I think there are a lot of conspiracies, and obviously Jordan addressed them during the or during the episode but it's just like man if i was in that situation and people are coming up to me after my dad died accusing oh. me of it was my fault or because of my past experience no that is that's actually sick and jordan being the hothead he is like 
Jeez, I would probably swing at somebody if they caught me on the wrong day. I right? Mean, well, accusing I, me of my dad's death. Clearly, he took that as motivation as well. Anything he can get just fuels to the fire. Yeah, but, I mean, understandably, he did take a break from hoops after that happened. Shocked the world. I thought it was, I thought it was crazy how they basically likened it to kind of a where were you when you heard Jordan was retiring thing. Yep. Just like a where were you when you heard Michael Jackson died, you know? Um I just I didn't know it shocked the nation in the way it did. And I think, you know, not having that social media presence during that time, it's literally like your team winning the Super Bowl, you know? The greatest player of all time is retiring early and, you know, everybody's tuning into this. I mean, the the commissioner was at his retirement ceremony. Yeah. That's yeah. That's something that, you know, you don't want to have for any regular player. And what a foreshadow. That uh that Jordan retirement literally leaked at a White Sox game that Jordan threw the first pitch out for. <laughs> so everybody's just talking in the stands. It's going around like the wave. I mean, imagine being in that ballpark and then just everybody's Four MLB solid. players. Yeah. I mean, that's your game. It's a playoff game, right? Wasn't it? Was it? I think it was a playoff game. And then all of a sudden, Jordan announces that he's retiring. What a buzzkill. What a buzzkill. People are like, I don't even care if the White Sox lose. My number one player in my heart is literally leaving me it's gone that's like who would you liken that to for you modern day i'd have to go aaron Rodgers. Mm. sorry maybe he'll be traded soon i might be sad oh god okay go ahead but no i go aaron Rodgers. i mean if i heard like my favorite player was just leaving the squad i'd just be i get that guys have problems with over rooting for sports i'd say sure but i'd literally feel like i just got dumped yeah no, brutally. I mean, that's that would be terrible. Obviously, um, what else uh, should we touch on? Kind of in seven and eight. Obviously, at the end of seven was oh. one of the coolest scenes that I've ever seen in TV. Really, obviously, got my hairs tingling and wanted me to run through a brick wall. <laughs> I needed to like go compete in something. I needed to go beat my mom in Scrabble. I don't even know, but yeah, he's sitting there. He'd just been getting throughout the episode blasted with you know stories of him getting physical with teammates in practice, yelling at teammates, basically being more or less a tyrant on the court. And at the end of seven, it ends with him literally tearing up, talking about, you know what, man, like, that's me. I wanted to win. I'll do what literally whatever it takes to win. And if you don't want to play the way, play that way. Just don't play that way. Then he tears up. Yeah, get out of my way. Get out of my way. And that was, I think that's the first time has he shed a tear other than that? There's no way. I don't think that was the first time in the episode. But, I mean, it's cool that I think maybe for his dad potentially. But even during the interview, he didn't really tear up. He really, that just shows you where his heart is. And it's competing, making himself and every single one of them around, every person around him better. If I'm sitting there as an interviewer and I have Jordan on camera starting to cry, talking about competing, that's where I'm like, Instantly put out the crying emoji. Oh, instantly. <laughs> At that. And no. I'd be like, I'm sitting on a gold mine right now. This is going to be an epic scene on TV. Yeah. Especially when everybody's tuning into this. Like, Exactly. I think everybody got uh, the hair tingles at that point. They had to have. I, uh, I saw a lot of comments, too, just a little quick interlude about the live iPad and the uh, <laughs> reactions from Jordan. Of Obviously, they had taped the other you know, whatever cast, whether that's a comp- you know competitor of Jordan's the or Gary a teammate. The Gary Payton bit. Yep, Gary yep. Payton, the glove. When he uh, she's talking about, yeah, you know, we probably were the better team, and after game one, we I was locking him down and had him, and Jordan just starts crying laughter about how the glove was supposedly locking him up. That was that was actually kind of pathetic from Gary Payton. I'll say it. They were up three zero, and Payton obviously back up against the wall, 
the coach at the time was George Carl, puts Peyton on MJ, who they'd, be, they'd been saving for the offensive end of the court. They didn't want Gary exhausting completely on guarding Jordan. But obviously when you're down 3-0, you got to do everything you can. So they put him on him, and yeah, his numbers dip a little, but Jordan's also up 3-0. Uh, the Sonics are clawing for their lives. I mean, what do you think's going to happen? As a human, you're going to relax a little. Even Jordan's going to relax a little, I would yeah. say. So I think MJ has a right to laugh, and he just laughed like a hyena. Like he <laughs> he was he knew that he was right. He didn't have to say anything about it. He just proved that he was above Payton in that sense. I thought that was pretty cool. That was the mark of a winner. Yeah. I uh, also what I kind of want to touch on was um, going was it after he's going for his fourth championship at this time. He leaves the White Sox during the, um, what is it, like a lock player lockout type situation. Didn't want to comment on anything. Didn't want to be a part of it. And returns to the Bulls when they are competing, really, for a championship. And being able to come in there, I kind of, I don't know, it's kind of, nobody really touches on the fact that he come in, like, and try to take the show away from these guys. You know what I mean? Even though they just lost the year before, was in, like, the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, the semifinals was a conference finals yeah. i know but they knew they could make it they did a great job i mean pippen carried the team then you saw with the whole pippen situation of taking the last shot it's kind of the they needed somebody and pippen wanted to be that guy but he, he you know phil jackson knew in that time that he wasn't the right person for it and then who hit the shot it was uh cool coach pippen sat yeah, yeah, out yeah. on the inbound that was yeah. interesting too i mean when you got pippen sitting out the best player that kind of seems like you need MJ back. Exactly, you're, you're that's what I'm missing saying. It. You, know, you know, like it just it didn't all come together. Yeah, and they, they were missing that. Like I said, the leader too. You know, the ball is going to him. You know, anybody support. Maybe if Jordan's not open, then Pippen gets it. You know, but coming back, he wasn't in basketball shape. The you know workout regimen is completely different in baseball. Ultimately, they lose to the Magic. And <laughs> who Horace Grant had went to exactly, and obviously was a competitive edge for him, but just couldn't pull it out because he was ultimately gassed. Yeah, I thought it was a sign of honestly weakness um, when you see when you see Jordan return very quickly. Right? I, I mean, I don't want to put pressure on him to win at all costs, but he's too skinny. Right? He's just rusty. Yeah. The coolest part, though, I thought for some reason of uh, episode eight was they lose to the Magic. That next off season, he's filming one of the best kids' movies I've ever watched, Space Jam. Yep, cheaper by the dozen. And oh, for Space Jam. <laughs> um, anyway, he's going out there shooting the movie theater film, and it's ten hour work days. But he knew he needed to start getting right back in that basketball shape, that mindset, and they built a whole entire gym for him at the Warner Bros. Studio. So he's getting up at six a.m. for his, you know, his casting doing all these things and he's got like an hour or two for a workout and then he's inviting people across the league to come and play three hours of pickup and the best players the best players the best players and did you mention he's lifting the entire time to get back into basketball shape like what is that day yeah what is that day something is just wrong and reggie miller touched on it too is the guy is just simply not human we've touched on it before but he's a robot that is so driven that I just can't. I wish I could just be in his head, you know? I wish I could be him for a day. Seriously. Uh, wake up at 5, golf, uh, then go work. <laughs> Make some money, lose some blue. Hustle. Yeah, yeah. Like hustle somebody for the money. But, yeah, then comes back after that year just full steam ahead. Oh, my God. Everybody had to know what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Everybody in the league saw him grinding, and they're like, well, we're in for a tough season against Jordan. <laughs> I don't want to get in that guy's way. I mean, he was seeing red the whole time. 
And obviously that was pretty cool when he broke down again after winning his first title or yeah, his fourth title, but first after his dad had passed. So there the tears really came out. It's kind of weird. On Father's Day. On Father's Day, that's right. That's incredible. But after every title, it's like he had a different reaction. Like the first was pure bliss, right? Yep. Second's like, holy shit, like I'm here. Relief. Relief. Third was ultra relief because he'd be getting hammered on the press all year with the gambling stuff. And then the fourth broke down for his father, which was wild. And that was very, a very humane moment as well. Yeah, coming back from playing baseball, taking that break, knowing that he still got it in him. And then for to go out there and not having your dad, who he's always at the games, by your side on Father's Day and winning a championship. Unbelievable. That reminds me of uh, the Brett Favre Monday Night Football mm-hmm. game. Obviously not the same stature of a game because it's just a week six, whatever, regular season game. But uh, that's, that's what that reminded me of. Uh, Brett Favre's dad passing, him going out and playing, and it just turns into a legendary sports moment. Anytime you got personal life coming through the player on the television broadcast in the stadium and they just show up to play and dedicate it to somebody like that, their father, Late father. Give me chills right now. It's epic. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of... God, I need sports. Moments. I know. There's a lot of sports moments where it seems like it all clicks when, you know, potentially something goes wrong for them. Like, was the the pitcher for the Marlins that had passed away in a boat accident? Yeah. Um, yep. Didi Gregoria, who is like, never hits home runs. He is the leadoff hitter in the following game. Obviously, this is their best pitcher who... Gosh, I can't believe... Jimenez? No, what, what was it? Anyway. I think it was Jimenez, yeah. But passed away and Didi he's like this one's for you and obviously he was in the bat hits a home run hadn't hit a home run in who knows long he's a scrawny little guy hits a leadoff home run and the guy just starts bawling in tears because he was one of his best friends it's like you know he's in there with the moment it's just crazy it's the power of sports and um that's why I really really want sports back people argue the economic side of it and the risk of it for society but like come on we need something like that right now I'd say and everybody gathering around the tv whether there's no fans or not, you can't replace that. It's just, it's, you don't understand if you're not a sports fan. Exactly. There's there's something about sports that, one, is a togetherness. Like, right now, I mean, there's no sports. It's not like I feel empty, but I do. I mean, <laughs> do you but like that? Vikings fans, you know what I mean? I used to have sports fans based, like, I love seeing that, you know, banter on social media or anything or just talking sports with my friends. It's something to talk about. It's something to fill your day. And then it's also something to get emotional about too yeah no you go into the office on a monday after a sunday you know football slate it's the first thing i'm talking about with Easily. somebody right it's like a it's like the how's the weather thing it's like you see the game last night like yeah it's right there i mean how's the weather now it's just how's the weather that's I all mean, it is I, we don't even know what the weather's like we've been quarantined actually today uh first day after our governor lifted up the stay at home ban i'm feeling pretty good i'm feeling dangerous yeah i'm uh I'm on the opposite end, kind of. L.A. just oh, extended right. it three months till at least August. I'm not sure if that's going to hit San Francisco or not. But anyway, back to the main topic. By the this, way, I would say now more than ever, L.A. needs basketball with that. Oh, you know? seriously. Get I the need... Lakers and the Clippers back on and, the show. And, yeah, that's what I was going to say, too, is um, they just announced Silver. Or, right, Silver uh, just announced that two to four weeks they have a decision on whether the NBA is going to come back. So it'll be a big decision. I think the NHL season is indefinitely canceled, which – it's not a great sign, but another news, Arizona's opening sports, which is nice to uh, hopefully get something back in the mix. Obviously, I'm getting sick of this. <laughs> We've talked a lot about this, but 
Um, anyway, I think these uh, episodes five through eight were incredible. I really liked seven and eight. Those two were obviously very touching, very emotional, really grabbed you. So, George, we're going to end with this like we always do, or we did previously, is where is Jordan on your goat meter? Like I, I uh, remind you is LeBron, because we're both huge LeBron fans, and we think he's the goat. He is at 10. That is the goat meter. Last week, you had Le, MJ at number three on the goat meter. So, George, tell me, where is MJ now on the goat meter? <sighs> I'm swaying. I'm starting to sway. After watching him three P and then come back and get a fourth. I'm gonna go six. I'm gonna go six. The only thing that's holding me back from going higher is I personally think the standard quality of an athlete is much higher now than back in Jordan's day. But I do see firsthand his competitiveness. The fact that he does whatever to win, I mean, he definitely could adjust to the modern-day NBA. Let's let's not be foolish. Yeah. He's not going to be a bench warmer like David Spade, but... He would be an all-star. He would be like Kobe. I think there's just so many superstars now that a six... Six rings is very, very tough. In that That's super time. tough. Exactly. Knowing that, one, there's super teams now, and there's multiple super teams. But, I mean, he did have... You know, he beat Magic Johnson. He beat Clyde Drexler. Yep. He beat Charles Barkley. Beat the glove. Beat the glove. <laughs> <laughs> the glove locked him up, but not in time. But, yeah, no, I'm going to go six. I'm going to go six, and I think uh, episodes nine and ten, the finale, he's going to be pushing ten. He, he might be pushing ten, but it's going to take a lot. I'm a LeBron guy. So. Yeah, well, we watched the other night LeBron um, versus the Warriors, and... Uh, they uh, obviously not having a great team. So, I don't know. LeBron carried everybody. But thanks again for listening, guys, to uh, the uh, recap of The Last Dance airing on ESPN on Sunday nights. We will be back with episodes 9 and 10 recap, the finale. And I uh, hope you guys all enjoyed listening. George, you got any final thoughts? The Last Dance, Sunday, 8 p.m. Central on ESPN. Tune in.